Have you ever wondered how deep tech companies actually start? Well, we were too. So in this podcast, we'll be interviewing scientists and entrepreneurs that have taken their ideas out of the lab and turned them into startups. I'm Antonia. And I'm Christina. And this is Startup the Science. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our second ever expert episode. And today we're talking with Ulf Hackinson. Who's Ulf? Well, Ulf is, uh, since very recently, actually, since January 2020, the Chief Intellectual Property Officer at INL. In case you don't know what INL is, you are forgiven. It is the International Iberian Nanotechnology Laboratory. And they're also an ENAM member. That's right. And they're in the beautiful country of Portugal. And Ulf was a AdmaCom mentor. He was. And a very good one at that. That's right. He's going to get promoted to a workshop leader. leader. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> We've just asked him if for this year's AdmaCom, uh, he'd like to actually run a workshop on IP, which he said yes to. So that's good. So you should apply for AdmaCom when we open applications to get some of that wisdom into your brains. So we'll talk to him about IP protection, what is important for startups that are beginning their work in university or in a university context and they then want to take their IP out of university. What else will we talk about? Well, IP is a very, very extensive topic, isn't it? (laughs) We're going to just try to boil it down to 15 minutes. (laughs) No need to talk to lawyers anymore. Don't pay lawyers. Just listen to these 15 minutes. Of wisdom, concentrated wisdom. No, we're going to try to talk about the main points. Yeah. So we'll see how we get on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, Ulf, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's very nice to have you today. And we're talking about a very important uh, topic, especially for startups, which is IP protection. So tell us a little bit more first about who you are and what your uh, background is in this field. My name is Ulf. I'm a scientist from background, long time ago, spent the last 20 years in... Uh, research and in uh, specifically in key enabled technologies like nanotechnology and then moved into the field of intellectual property. So I'm a European patent attorney and I have the pleasure of working now at the Institute sort of transferring knowledge and uh, intellectual property to the markets. First, just out of curiosity, can you tell us why did you move to this field from science to IP transfer to IP protection, not transfer. <laughs> the transfer relates most to the wish, I think, to be part of the, that really the transfer, because there's a lot of very nice research being done and not everything comes out. So there are more values than just the research results. And to be part of that process is a, is a pleasure. Mm-hmm. So in your job, you do work with a lot of startups that are spin-offs from universities, is that right? Yes, I've worked with many several in different different situations as a patent attorney, as a researcher, and now in my current role. And what would you say um, is the top challenge or for, a, for a startup, let's say, that is starting off in university? So if we had a scenario, for instance, of um, a chemist doing his PhD, and during his PhD he discovers a new process leading, for instance, to a new material. This is the type of startup we'd be more familiar with. What's the main challenge that, uh, that he'd be faced with? in this context? I think it's the complexity of things that are so many parts in the same time. So you have the research results that are important as such and should be deployed for society to take on and build further on. There is the commercial aspects of it. What values is it for the market, for the users to capture that? And uh, related to that is, I think the primary thing is ownership. In what position did you develop the technologies? Is it yours? Is it partners? So that, that's a problem we've seen quite often. 
I'm not sure if problem is the right word, but if you've started developing this technology in a university setup, right? You're doing your PhD or postdoc or whatever you're doing. Who owns this technology? In many situations, I would say it belongs to the university. Okay. There are a few countries having a professor's privilege where it belongs to the scientists. So what should the scientist do then if he thinks, well, yeah, but this could be a company and it could be my company? I would like to take one step back and then to say that one should first capture the ideas and inventive concept. And the easiest way to do that is actually through the old school logbooks to, to write down things when things happen. And then it makes the, the storytelling much easier. I was in this concept. These persons were present. We made this discovery. And then you take it from there. Then you have where the fact was where the ideas were created and then you can start. Then you have to discuss and understand that there are a lot of technology transfer and, uh, and legal entities within universities, for instance, that can assist them to see what rules there are. So first step is to basically keep track of what your process was and how you got to this new discovery. Yeah, it's, it's simple. Like they will capture your results anyway, but I think it's more when you have an idea, it's not the research results as such, but the idea, it's just to write it down to capture it. And it's a good practice in everything. It's, it's like you're building your CV, your your capture experiences and if they're not written down they disappear and is that something you see scientists do or not so much i think there is an increased awareness and uh, scientists have this mentality to to be analytical and write very nice records on every research activity they do not always really stating where they are and who was there because there's a difference between authorship and inventorship. Okay, what's what's the difference? I think in general, an authorship in a general way of an, uh, scientific publications are that those that contributed to the work and the result that came out from this. It could be in the planning of the result, it could be special techniques and uh, characterization techniques and so forth that's been used and knowledge going into the project. When it comes to inventions, the general idea is that it's only those who contributed to the inventive concept as such. The idea of it, if you, yes, perform, although it could be very tricky, experiments to verify your idea, that's not part of developing actually the inventive concept. So if you have a team of two or three scientists, this is a scenario we also often see in an AnimaCom or other events we do, we usually have teams of two or three scientists. And they work together on a project, on a new concept. How shall I put this <laughs> nicely? Is there any, ever any conflict between the scientists as who came up with the idea and how do they resolve these? That could happen, but I think normally it's a teamwork to do research today, to go cutting edge research and to you need to be a team. So the thing is just to have your papers clear and to make sure that you write down what happens, when, who was there, and look at the contractual agreements of those why they are affiliated, what universities are somewhere affiliated to a research program within companies, then there are other laws. Uh, what are the funding mechanisms? I think it's just the bookkeeping. If you have that from the beginning and write down the ideas, then you have a very easy process from that there on, I think. Is it an easy process then? Because I think we sometimes have this perception that if the university owns the concept, let's say initially, it's quite difficult to get that out of the university for a scientist when they want to turn it into a startup. Is it a that could be challenging? Forward? It's um, it's always a negotiation. But you, in many situations, I think what I've seen is that the universities they don't want to be in the driving seat. 
they going to concentrate on education. They want to concentrate on building the knowledge, excellent research. But the marketing and sales they, is usually better that that is kept by those that have the passion for it. And normally that's the inventor and the researcher and they can take this with them. So I think fair and reasonable conditions is, is not an issue. The problem is to get to the point and to get the speed to get there. So the more you, the scientists are prepared for this, then it's easier for also, and have this documentation that makes the process much easier for the university to allow for the technology transfer. And there are a lot of fantastic technology transfer offices in the universities all over the world. So, But ownership is an issue, and you have you go back in history to f- find this, <laughs> then it's a tricky issue. And how long would this process take from the moment when, or roughly, from the moment when a scientist wants to take the idea out of university? And they start this process, let's say they have uh, the log, they've kept track of all their activities. That's very difficult to say, I think. It depends so much where you are in the process and how mature you are and what contractual agreements you work upon. If you're in a project, you might have to wait until the project is ending and you use the kind of foreground results for further exploitation. Um, but I think many times you can do this in parallel if it's not uh, in a conflict with the uh, current activities in your project. So th- that is not the speed. And the, to capture the idea is a pretty quick process. Uh, then to verify it and to take the other steps and to bridge the steps from idea to actually product or service, that's a longer process. As you all know, that's a that's a life of a startup. So going back to what I was originally wondering about. So if you have case of a startup with both the process and the material, we see that a lot. What should we do as um, startup advisors? What should we tell our startups to do? To consider patenting the process, the material, both? Where should they start? I know there's not one recipe for success, but what would be your, your guidance? Okay, so if we leave the sort of timing and assume, yes, the situation that they have enough knowledge that this is the actually the product or material they would use, and they found an efficient process. So patents, you are to protect the technical part of an inventive concept. So it relates then to them for capturing say, and protect the material as such or the system that they have developed in order to make sure that others cannot use this. So they can hinder others from using it. It doesn't tell them that they are free to use it. There could be other rights out there. But that is a good start to capture the technical aspects of an invention. As long as you have filed a patent first to file over that time, then there's no problems with novelty, which is a criteria for patent. So you start there as a T0 and then you can start to deploy and discuss and explore your your technology. The other part is more complicated when it comes to processes. It's, it's something, if it's easy to reverse engineer, then it's probably likely to keep it secret because that's a know-how and value that you build into your company. But you should still, I think, write it down. Make sure, and that is an important thing, that you capture it in a sense that everyone involved that knows that we keep this secret. And then there can be physical measures also to keep it secret, but that's a detail. But as soon as the startup scales, this starts to be no knowledge for everyone in the company, perhaps, but then they take it for granted. So to capture this and to keep it out and tell as little as possible when you discuss, 
you have a process, you don't have to tell how the process is. This, of course, has to be balanced with the interest of a scientist to exploit their research result for the benefit of the research community. But there are, if you do this from the beginning, I think you can have a win-win situation. And what should you maybe consider as a startup, what should you consider keeping completely secret, like not writing in a patent uh, application at all? Is there such a thing? Yeah, I think this, the, business, the business model as such could in many sense be uh, secret. Uh, the companies you're working with, the ideas you think, the markets you think, uh, databases, there are special measures for databases, especially in Europe. Uh, I think all kind of concept and know all the small details you have you can actually keep out and then have the major steps. Um, another question we sometimes get from startups is when to file for patents. Is it better to do it at the very beginning before they even consider, um, I don't know, setting up a production line or scaling up? Or should they do it a bit later on when they have a more solid business model and they know, okay, this is likely to become a thing, they're likely to make money out of it, so now we're, we're also filing for patents. Is it better to do it at, at the start or should they wait a bit for uh, the concept to prove to work? Too early is, is difficult because you will have an idea and the idea will you're not sure if the markets are where you will use how you will use this uh, this technology uh, and if it doesn't work it does it work in a different way than you expected do you the other designs around so if you can kind of let it mature a little bit and keep it within your the closest circle of, <laughs> of researchers in this case, uh, then you're better off to actually know what you want to protect. Then it, that said, the other the better. <laughs> uh, so you can, you can capture the ideas at an early stage as well and then, of course, build on, on on other aspects of it, special applications, special technologies. Then you're in a very good IP strategy uh, position. Right. And there are all these little nuggets of wisdom we hear sometimes. Like one of them is you shouldn't present an idea that is not yet patented anywhere in public because then you can't patent it anymore. Is that true? Yeah, the, the novelty is an absolute criteria. So you cannot be disclosed to the idea in any way, anywhere. So you, you need to keep that in secret. But still, you need to, for things to happen, you need to talk to people. And then you have to have balances, like you, who are you forming relationships with? Of course, you have to disclose. There are formal agreements. I think you will have other podcasts related to uh, the legal aspects. So. But uh, non-disclosure agreements and other things are something more in a formal matter. And... But then you have ideation sessions you still need with people in order for things to happen. So if you're too to protect the NIST, nothing will happen. So. But for example, you couldn't go and present your idea at a conference? No, you can't. You can't. No, no, no publication, nothing. Right. But you can file a patent and then uh, do the publication the day mm -hmm. after. It's not a problem. Right. So you need to find so a balance. you can have both. It is a bit complicated. <laughs> Do you find the scientists are struggling a lot with this? Is this one of the things that, that concerns them? We, we found, for example, during the last AdmaCom that IP became one of the things that was, keep, yeah, was keeping startups up at night <laughs> after they had a few mentoring sessions because they realized they had the wrong strategy or they had no strategy. Or Do you think it's a major concern for startups coming from... A, I think it is for any, any startups. And I think to go and have legal counseling at an early stage to iterate these issues and go home and then kind of read there are a lot of a lot of nice uh, material out there uh, European help desk for IP and others that easily access to get your right mindset if you have the mindset then it's not that difficult actually to capture then you come I would say that if you then want to formalize your intellectual property, then you should use professionals. That's a, I think that's the worst of investments for those. Like a legal contract, it should be solid. 
when it's done, if it should have real value. So when you say investment, can we get a rough idea of what should a startup budget for when it comes to IP advice or that not necessarily varies, an amount? That varies so much. So I think uh, it's... Um, depends on also where the listeners are and what kind of aid there is out there in projects and technology transfer officers might have kind of scholarships and related things to, to sort of tickets for uh, innovation. It is a costly process, but it's a lot you can do by yourself also in the beginning of looking at your competitors, what are they doing? Think of your ideas on a bigger perspective, not only on the technology you develop that are brilliant in itself, it has a lot of advantages, but could someone get Get the same type of advantages but alternative designs because this is actually in the end what the market will want to select the one so if you can think broader along the the real inventive concept and then think about other strategies to come there then you're very good sounds sounds very interesting and but also a bit complicated <laughs> hopefully our startups if they if they're hearing this they can maybe contact you or they can find uh someone to advise them in this field before they, they start to seriously Yeah, I think and many uh, law firms also have free sessions the first kind of hours and so to, to mm-hmm. iterate. And you can learn a lot from that. And uh, I think also from the university uh, systems. Yeah. And finally, can you tell us what are some of your favorite startups that you've worked with so that we end on a happy note and maybe promote some startups? I worked with very <laughs> nice uh, startups uh, I think um, within AM, there's been, I've been mentoring a few very interesting uh, companies in my previous job. I don't want to mention names, but very interesting concept. And I think this most of the team, the the passion and the, the kind of courage people have to find solu- new solutions to existing problems or actually inventing problems as such is, uh, is, is amazing. So Thank you so much for being on our episode today. Um, is there any final word, anything else you'd like to say to the startups or anyone else who might be listening to this? The final words to a startup is just, so I would say, yes, keep, keep on going because it's <laughs> a struggle to be a startup, but it's worth it. We think so too. Great. Thank you for, for joining us. and We'll see you at the next Atmocom as a mentor. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sticking around all the way to the end of the episode. We really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with Ulf or learn more about INL, or Admacom. I've left the links in the description. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and you can even email us. We have an email. It's info at enum.berlin, and I'll leave that in the description as well. We have a lot more exciting episodes coming your way, so stay tuned, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Until then!